Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. My name is LJ, and today's episode is all about working for free. You're probably well aware by now that freelancers tend to get the short end of the stick quite often, and you really have to know your worth if you are going to make it in this field of work. You probably have heard a million times not to sell yourself short and that you need to avoid getting walked all over and that you need to be firm and you need to research pricing and you need to not back down when somebody counter offers you. In fact, I've talked about that before in previous episodes. But the truth is there are times, and I'm saying this with with caution here because there are a few times, but there are some times when it is beneficial and could actually be worth it for you to work for free or at a deeply discounted rate. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Welcome to the Freelance Friday podcast. My name is Latasha James and I'm your host. This podcast is a deep dive into the challenging, exciting, and oh so rewarding world of freelancing. From tips and advice to interviews with the people who are doing it right, this show is for anyone looking to get their hands a little bit dirty and make monetizing their passion a reality. Let's get started. first thing is really the thing that got this episode started and made me think, hey, maybe I should talk about this to you guys. So I have been building my own websites since I started doing anything online. So basically since I was like 13 or 14, I've been building websites of some sort and they've definitely matured over the years and I've learned a lot. I'm by no means the best web designer on the face of the earth, but I have gotten to know Squarespace really well. And I started to do a little bit of research on Squarespace websites, and I realized that a lot of people were offering Squarespace web design who, and I don't mean this to sound rude or anything, but who weren't as good as me, who didn't do as good of a job. And that's kind of how a lot of businesses start. You realize people are making money off of something that you're passionate about, and hey, maybe I could see myself doing that too. So I've been thinking about offering some Squarespace web design services at my company, Jameson Park, but I wasn't really sure, first of all, if I'd like doing it for a client. I love building websites. I think I'm pretty good at it. I get a lot of compliments on them, but I didn't know if I was going to like the workflow of actually like working with a client and getting their approval and, you know, dealing with all the logistics stuff. Um, and if it was going to be something that I had time for, and if it was going to be something that was worth it and all that stuff. So I was thinking to myself, you know, I really would like to do sort of a test run of this service. And I'm not sure if by the time this episode is going up, if this actually will be a service that I offer, or if I will have decided not to do it. But if I do decide to offer it, I'll make sure to link in the show notes if you're interested in getting a Squarespace website built. And if I decided not to, well, that's just further illustrating my point on this. But anyway, so I, you know, I decided that I wanted to do sort of a test run of it. In addition to just wanting to do a test run of the workflow of building a Squarespace website for somebody, I also just wanted some portfolio projects under my belt. Like I mentioned, I've been building my own websites for years and I have several of them, many different redesigns, many different domains, many different websites, but I didn't want to put on my website you know, just examples of my own websites. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that per se by adding one or two of them. But if my only examples of client work were my own, well, that's not really client work, is it? 
So here's what I did. I decided to just put a little shout out on Twitter and just let people know that this was something that I was considering offering. One, just to kind of gauge interest and see if anybody responded to it uh, off the bat. And I also said, hey, I'm also looking for some portfolio projects. So if any of you have been interested in starting a website but just haven't, you know, went for it yet, slide in my DMs. And I got a lot of really great people saying that they had been wanting a website and that they would love to work with me. And, uh, you know, I decided to do a couple of them for free. Now, there are several reasons why, because some of them were ready to pay me on the spot. There's plenty of reasons why I didn't accept that payment and why I decided to do it for free. First thing, like I said, back to this whole test run thing, these were people who I have some kind of a relationship with, and I'm not saying that I'm best friends ever with them or anything like that, but there are people who know my content or know my podcast or my YouTube or something. They know me somehow. They follow me on Twitter, obviously, so they get a feel for my personality, and we kind of have somewhat of a relationship. And so I feel a little bit more comfortable sort of saying, hey, I don't exactly know what I'm doing. I know how to build a website. I have done many of those before. But as far as the actual workflow process, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm going to do this 100% perfect. So please bear with me. Bear with me if I forget to ask you an important question. And I don't realize it's important until, you know, the next day when I, I need it. You know, that might happen. There might be a couple of delays. Um, things like that. I wanted somebody who was going to be flexible and understand that this is sort of just a test run and they're going to get a beautiful product out of it regardless. Uh, that is guaranteed, <laughs> but it just might not be like the smoothest process that you would get with a an experienced web designer. And I think that's okay. I think that, you know, how do you get experience if you don't have experience? I mean, you got to try it somehow. So, I mean, there were other things that I could have done. I could have you know, tested something out with my my partner or my boyfriend or something. But I really wanted to get a fresh perspective and also like help people. And I'll get to that point in a second. So yes, test run for sure. And I told them when I started working with them, I really want you to be very honest with me. If you feel like I'm sending you over too much paperwork, if you feel like I'm not sending you enough information, if you feel like you need more, you know, more of anything, less of anything, if it could be displayed in a more helpful way, if blah, blah, blah. Like, tell me, please tell me. I want all of your feedback. It doesn't mean I'm going to take every single thing because obviously this is a very customer centric view that they're going to give me and I have to be realistic, but it's very, very helpful feedback. Same thing with the actual product itself. I asked them to be brutally honest with me and to treat this as if they were paying for it. And not that it was like a freebie or a favor or anything like that. I wanted to make sure I got an objective opinion on what the final product was like for them. Again, I could have asked my boyfriend if I could redo his website for him or ask, you know, somebody in my life. But let's be honest, those people in our lives are pretty biased. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that freelancers, business owners need cheerleaders. They need people in their corner who are going to build them up, not tear them down. But I, you know, I think that he probably has a pretty hard time being completely objective with me. He's always going to think that I'm wonderful and amazing, which is amazing and awesome. (laughs) But you know, it's not always the best when it comes to actually gauging the value of your service. And then I also wanted to make sure I got some guaranteed testimonials. That was the only thing that I asked these people for in exchange is a review and or testimonial because if their review is bad, I don't want them to commit to giving me a testimonial and saying that I'm amazing if I wasn't amazing, you know? Uh, I hope that they think I'm amazing and give me a testimonial, but 
just a review in general for me to look at, to learn from, and if it's you know positive, obviously, or something that I want to post online, then I have their permission to post it online and post screenshots and portfolio pictures and all of that stuff of the website. And then the last reason that I wanted to go ahead and do this is because you know, it's a nice thing to do. It's a cool way for people who are supporting me, who have been supporting me in some way, even if it's just by following me on Twitter or listening to the podcast or watching my videos. It's a nice way for some of them to get experience with my services because not everybody is able to afford the services that I offer. I do offer, you know, premium products and services. They're not typically services that cost $20, $100, $200 are usually $500 and up. And not everybody can afford that, even the people who have learned a lot from me and enjoy my content. So this is a cool way to open up once in a while, once every blue moon for them to get an actual feel for what it's like working with me. And in turn, my hope is that it has sort of an influencer effect and that they are going to recommend me in the future, that they are going to come to me when they need something else. If they, you know, hopefully their website, their new website makes them a lot of money and they might need a content manager or a social media manager or a marketing consultant or whatever the heck, and that they're going to think of me before they think of anybody else. Now, there are some right and wrong ways to do something like this. Like I said, I opened it up to Twitter. Twitter is probably my most engaged community, even though it is not my biggest number. You know, I don't have the, the most followers on that channel, but the people who follow me there, they put up with a lot of random things. Uh, And they are true supporters is what I consider most of my Twitter followers. They're people who really like to learn about what I'm doing, learn about who I am. You know, they, they totally enjoy me as a person, which is a really cool feeling. And so I wanted to make sure that the people that I was offering this to were engaged people. I don't want to just give away a free product or service just to anybody. I have seen people do this in a lot of Facebook groups that I'm in, like different podcast groups and goal setting groups and social media manager groups. They've done a similar thing with a course or a service or whatever it is. And I don't think that that's necessarily the worst idea if you don't really have a network or a community of your own. But if you do have a community of your own, I definitely recommend leveraging that before anything else because I wanted to make sure that my supporters were getting kind of first dibs, if you will. And I also think that posting in a Facebook group or doing something like that could be negative in some ways because you're getting people in those groups a lot of the times who just really like want something for them. They want sort of a handout, if you will. They don't necessarily support you or support your vision. They're just kind of looking for something for themselves, which is totally fine. But I want to really work with people who are going to support me long term, even if it's not financially, like I said, just people who are going to be advocates for my business, who are going to appreciate what they have received and somebody who I'm going to be able to watch their businesses grow and refer back to them when I'm talking about success stories and people that I like and refer clients to them. Like I really enjoy having mutually beneficial relationships. I don't want to just give something away for free just to give it away for free. And then let's be honest here. I also didn't want to get 12,000 responses on a Facebook group of random people. I even worried about putting this uh, call to action or 
advertising this service on my Instagram for that same reason because I have so many more followers on there and I just worried that I would get like 12,000 responses. When I posted this series of tweets on Twitter, I got about three or four responses within about three or four hours. So it's very manageable. It was exactly the amount that I wanted at the time. And then I was able to just let people know that I was booked and that, you know, look out for other things in the future potentially, or look out for my services offering and pricing in the future. Like I didn't get swarmed because if you post something on a Facebook group and you get 50 responses in a day, how do you even begin to sort through those? How do you even vet those? What would you have to go off of? Their profile picture? I mean, it's a little difficult to decide which ones you're going to take because you cannot take all of them. (laughs) So that's sort of my second tip for doing free projects. And this is going to apply to the rest of the categories as well. It's that you can't do this a million times a year or even very often at all. I wanted to do two portfolio projects just to start and then see if I could, you know, kind of evaluate. Did I like it? Did I not like it? Can I start charging? Do I need to do some more? That kind of thing. I didn't want to commit to doing 50 projects because if you know anything about building a website, I'm sure a lot of you guys do either build your own or are professional web designers. That takes a lot of time. I'm basically ripping myself away from other projects that I could be doing and actually making money for to do these. And it's important to me that I do because I I don't necessarily feel right about charging for them quite yet without having my process down and knowing what I'm doing. But at the same time, time is money. So you cannot spend too much time on this kind of stuff. This is something that's really fun for me too. I would probably never take a social media client for free for this reason. Now there's going to be other reasons that I would do it. I'll talk about those later in the episode, but it's weird because this is what I built my business off of. And you guys probably think that I love social media and want to do it all day long, but honestly, it's pretty challenging and it gets pretty redundant and I wouldn't probably do that for free. Building websites is something that I find really, really fun, really thrilling, honestly. And so it's something that I didn't really mind spending an extra Saturday morning working on for a month. Uh, to give something away to somebody who supported me and who I support their business. Okay, so the next reason that I have and will continue to give my services or products away for free are to give back in some kind of charitable donation type Uh, format. Especially when I first started out my business and I was not making a lot of money at all. You know, I've always been a very charitable person. I've always known that it's very important to give back to your community and to give back to people who are not quite as fortunate as you are. But definitely when I first started my business or when I first started, you know, adulting and working and all that stuff, I didn't have a lot of resources to actually give money. So I've always volunteered here and there, building houses, going to soup kitchens, that kind of thing. But another way that you can really help is you obviously have a skill. If you're a freelancer, you have some kind of a skill. So think about potentially how you could give sort of an in-kind donation. I think that those are sometimes the most valuable because, yeah, I can go build houses and I will continue to do that and clean up blight and rake things and But honestly, I am like the least athletic person in the world and it's not fun for me to do that stuff. And I know that volunteering isn't about having fun, but I don't feel like I'm necessarily using my skills and my talents in the best way when I do things like that. Like I said, I'm going to continue to do it because it's not about me, but I know that I am good at marketing and social media and 
a lot of things in that those fields. I'm better at doing that than raking. So let's think about how I can turn that around and benefit my community. There's a few different things that I either have done, have seen other people do, or want to do in the future. I have done social media for different charities, events, nonprofits, just for a short period of time. So if they have an event going on, and maybe I'm speaking at it, or I already agreed to volunteer, I'll, I will help them out and offer to create some social media images or create, you know, five, 10 posts a week, something like that to lead up to the event or to live tweet, live Instagram, live video, whatever the event on the day that it's actually happening. Doing something like that can be a really, really nice thing to do, especially if it is a charity or nonprofit or whatever, an organization that clearly doesn't have a handle for social media as it is. Another thing that I've been thinking about doing a lot lately, and I need to get some more information from some local organizations to see if they have anything like this going on. There could potentially be something like this that already exists. I'm not really sure. But I've been thinking a lot about job searching and social media. I mean, I've found all of my jobs on social media, on LinkedIn or other websites. And I know that a lot of people don't have those skills. They just weren't raised with a computer. They don't have a degree. They haven't, you know, they're not super comfortable with a computer like I am. And so I've been thinking a lot about, I know I've seen resume workshops and things like that, but taking it a step further and doing a LinkedIn workshop and bringing in a photographer, or even if it's just me or my boyfriend who knows how to operate a camera, taking nice headshots for them and helping them set up their LinkedIn profiles, people who are unemployed or want to get a more professional job. I've thought about something like that. So there are a lot of different ways that you can donate your time and donate your skills without donating money and really making an impact. Obviously, there's a feel-good effect. Giving back and feeling good is so important. It's one of the things that brings me the most joy in life, to be completely honest with you. But there are some other benefits, and I don't want to make this sound like it's a completely selfish thing, but there are some other benefits to it. Name recognition, branding, helping getting your name out there. Again, maybe if you're volunteering to run a soup kitchen social media, you might not necessarily be finding clients and the people who are visiting the soup kitchen. But any other company who comes by to volunteer, I know a lot of companies do that, they might get some interaction with you or see that you have done this in the past. It could be something that you add to your portfolio. It could be something that you get a testimonial from. And You also might want to explore your sponsorship benefits or potential sponsorship benefits. So I get asked to sponsor events all the time, and usually they ask for a financial contribution if it's $500, $1,000, whatever. Usually there's different tiers, and you can get like a plaque if you donate $500, and your name on the PowerPoint if you donate $1,000. You know how that goes. But maybe if you don't have the money to actually donate financially, maybe talk to them and see if you could, like I said, provide sort of an in-kind donation instead and still receive some of those benefits. Still get your name printed on a t-shirt or a mug or in the pamphlet that's given out at the event or whatever the case is. There might be some benefits for you. And the last reason that you might want to give away your products or services for free is influencer marketing, that buzzword that everybody cannot stop talking about. I guess that's a phrase. Let me back up. That buzz phrase. Uh, 
you you guys know what influencer marketing is, I'm sure, but essentially this is when you either pay an influencer or do a sort of a trade with somebody who has a large social following and basically give them whatever you have to offer in exchange for exposure to their network. And it's pretty straightforward what that means. I have not done this yet, but I've thought about doing this for some of my courses, some of my more influencer-based courses. I've thought about just creating a code for some people who have great engagement numbers and who really match my ideal buyer persona, giving them a course and just asking if they would talk about it in a video, in an Instagram post, something like that. It hasn't been a route that I've went down personally just because I don't necessarily know how my audience would respond to that and I feel like I've been doing pretty well with my course sales on my own but this might be something that again it's very similar to the first point you might just want to use as a portfolio piece I know that right now the trendiest thing for YouTube is to get those little animated intros let's say you want to start a business doing that doing animations for YouTubers or Instagrammers start by offering a few free social videos or intros or whatever it is to some higher tiered, higher level YouTubers or influencers and just ask them to shout you out or talk about the intro, link you in their description box, whatever the case is. And that might really be a good jumping off point for you. And in addition, like I said, similar to the first point, it might also be a really good way for you to test out your process and to get some initial feedback. Working with influencers is really great because depending on what you have to offer, you may not have to pay them at all and it's pretty much just an even exchange. Again, really all that you're losing is maybe a little bit of time if it's a service, but for me personally, if I were to go down the online course route, I really wouldn't be losing anything at all because I've already created the course. So anything that I make for my courses at this point just profit, I've already broken even. So really all that I'm getting is profit. So I'd just be losing out on a little bit of profit. Um, And even if you did have to pay them, I still would be profiting more than likely, even if they brought back a few people to my courses, I would still likely break even from that transaction. So it can be a really cool method to try. A couple of suggestions for influencer marketing, and let me know if you guys would like to hear a podcast completely about influencer marketing, because I'm very familiar with it. It is a service that I offer through my company, and I... I work with small businesses and brands to actually hook them up with influencers and do the legwork of influencer marketing for them. But if it's something that you're looking to do on your own, that's totally fine and works a lot of the time. There's just a few things that you might want to keep in mind. The first thing is that bigger numbers doesn't always equal better. I am a firm believer in the magic of the micro-influencer and seeing people for who they are and paying attention to other cues beyond just follower accounts. Because here's the thing, especially for Instagram right now, Instagram is starting to become a little bit of a difficult platform for finding influencers because a lot of those numbers, unfortunately, are becoming very false. (laughs) A lot of people are buying followers. A lot of bots will start following people even without the influencer knowing. A lot of people buy likes. A lot of people do ads now so that they're getting paid ad clicks and likes. And they're not really organic traffic that really truly cares about them and their message. So I think it's really important to look beyond the numbers and to look at what message they're providing. Go through who these people are following, who's interacting with them, and see if those people are your ideal buyer persona too. Because maybe I do find an 
an Instagram star who is the perfect rep for my t-shirt line. She's the perfect age demographic. She lives in the city, which I'm looking for, yada, yada, yada. But if I look through her followers and the people who comment on her posts, and they're all, you know, older women from a rural area, that's, you know, she might not necessarily be influencing the people who I really want to buy. So don't just pay attention to how nice their pictures are and how pretty they are and blah, blah, blah. Pay attention to who's actually responding to them. And also make sure that you're paying attention to engagement numbers and engagement rates beyond followers. I have seen, and I see this often actually, influencers with 2,000, 3,000 Instagram followers versus an influencer with 200,000 or more followers, I've seen the smaller influencer more times than not, to be completely honest with you, getting a higher engagement rate. So a higher percentage of their following responds to their posts and comments and likes things than the bigger influencer. This is very common and that is why micro-influencers are magical in short. And I personally... Not always. It's important to really think about what your goals are. If it's just strictly numbers, the bigger influencer obviously is still going to get you more numbers, more eyes on your product or service. But if you're really looking for a very targeted approach, I would probably recommend going with the micro influencer because these are people who really care about what they're saying. And not only that, but you can probably also get them at a cheaper rate than the macro influencer. This is something that I think I would definitely try if I do end up going down the influencer route for my courses because my courses aren't something that just anybody can buy. I mean, anybody can buy them, but they really only make sense for a certain audience. They really only make sense for people who either want to be social media managers, want to be freelancers, or who want to learn how to leverage their online influence better. So these are really only a few kind of pockets of the internet. And Even though, if you're listening to this, you're probably really in it and your community is probably surrounded by a lot of other entrepreneurs, a lot of other freelancers, a lot of other YouTubers and podcasters and bloggers. But we still have to kind of ground ourselves sometimes and realize that a large percentage of the internet is actually just average everyday consumers who maybe has an Instagram to post pictures of their dog and their baby and cute city skylines that they happen to run across. They're not influencers themselves. So they might not care about an influencer course. They might not ever want to be a social media manager. These are people who have everyday jobs that they love and they have no desire to go into this wild world that is freelancing. So for me personally, I would probably try to go with a micro-influencer approach, but obviously it's important to really be strategic about it and not just go at it willy-nilly. That is one of the things that my business does, but there are definitely ways for you to sit down and strategize about your influencer strategy yourself, of course. So those are really the three major reasons that I have ever, will ever, do, ever give my services and products away for free. I guess I should do a last note here is giveaways. Every once in a while, I'll do a giveaway on my YouTube channel Uh, When I used to have a blog, I would do a giveaway on there every now and again. Again, it's really just brand awareness. It's something fun. It's a fun way to give back to your community. 
I also am working on something that I would like to start giving out when I do speaking gigs. It's nice to get things in people's hands, especially if they're branded, if you can get something that has your name on it or your website on it. People love swag. People love swag, and I do too. I love it when companies give me t-shirts and binders and notebooks and pens, and I rock them. Like, I will rock them all year until the pen dries up. And I might not even be a huge fan of that company, but it's just, I don't know why. It just everybody loves free stuff. So it can be a nice way to get a little bit of exposure out there for your brand by just doing a giveaway. And it's also something that's pretty fun. So anyway, those are the major reasons that I do things for free. I'm totally not against it. I definitely think that you got to be careful with it. Like I said, you don't want to do this too much, too often. You don't want people to start expecting it. And try to be sort of discreet about it too. I'm not saying hide it from people and in especially when it comes to influencers and things like that. You actually have to abide by FTC guidelines and make sure that they are disclosing that they were given the product for free. But you don't want to necessarily make this huge thing and like post it on your YouTube channel that has 11,000, 12,000 followers. You might want to just keep it to a smaller community if you can just so people don't start expecting it. And so it doesn't look, I don't wanna say desperate because I don't think it is desperate to do this, but I think sometimes people can get the wrong impression of it. And it kind of goes back to that thing where it's like, is it too good to be true? And if it's given away for free, do people even want it anymore? So definitely be careful and cautious about it. But I absolutely think that giving things away for free can uh, work out for you sometimes and can actually be, I don't know, I don't wanna say necessary, but it can definitely make things easier and be beneficial for you. Let's say that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to let me know what you thought of it. Did you ever give stuff away for free? Would you ever? Do you have plans to? Let me know. Agree or disagree. I'd love to hear your opinion. And I love it when you let me know that you're listening. So if you're listening to this on your phone, and want to screenshot the podcast and tag me in it in an Instagram story or in a Twitter post, I would absolutely love to hear from you guys. So I'm a journey east on Twitter and a journey east underscore on Instagram. Let's talk about it on social. Visit freelancefridaypodcast.com for all the show notes and links to things that I mentioned. And we will talk very soon in the next episode. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to let me know. Rating this podcast is a huge help. And you can also tweet me at a journey east with comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Lastly, make sure to join my private Facebook group, Money Making Micro Influencer, if you're interested in elevating your influence and taking charge of your personal brand. There are so many like-minded, bright individuals in there, and it's a place I love to offer up free advice and a little bit of extra fun into. You can find it by searching Facebook for Money Making Micro Influencer. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.